Welcome to the Pinch Music Podcast, episode number 30. As part of the Paperhouse Network here, um, I am joined by none other than the ear, Mr. Nick Angelo and Jim Panels, which we refer to as the genius. Uh, Hi, guys. guys. Hello. Hey, Scott. Thanks. Dynamite intro, as usual. As usual. So um, that was Jimmy Cliff, The Harder They Come, as the intro. I like Which is a teaser as to what the content of this episode will be. And of course, everybody already knows because they can read and they're looking at it now and it says, what does it say? The 60s. The 60s. Hmm. That's it. Who wants to introduce what the episode is? Well, I'll try to give a shot at it. We're doing the 60s and we kept it broad and generic. The 60s, just the entire decade, probably the most important decade in music history if if you ask me uh we are just kind of whatever when you say the 60s what do you think of what's the soundtrack to what you think the 60s is and it's interesting i'll be it's interesting because on this list we do not have the beatles or bob dylan which most people if it's the first time you've ever listened to us you're like well you guys are idiots well with that being said you're probably right but the beatles and dylan are artists that we talk about at nauseum on this podcast so we kind of kept them off the list just because we know we know that they're on the list and they're on the main playlist they're they're on the main playlist they we we, you know the beatles and the stones and dylan of course they're going to be on any playlist that is the 60s centric so well the problem is like we have to understand the larger the larger uh, goal of the podcast, you know, and we, first of all, we want to keep it interesting. So if we talk about the Beatles, I mean, you could legitimately put the Beatles on most of every single playlist we do. So sure. the point is, you know, we want to keep bringing music that maybe you haven't heard or music that we haven't talked about that we want to bring up. Mm-hmm. So when we say a playlist that just says 60s, we're not talking about the quintessential artist of the 60s. Mm-hmm. We're talking about a 60s playlist that falls within our uh, jurisdiction, meaning you know, artists that we find interesting, artists that maybe we haven't talked about before, or maybe artists that we have talked about but we have new tidbits for. Mm-hmm. You know, we got to keep the larger arc of the show um, uh, as part of the uh, conversation. In sure. fact, I went ahead and took off a band because I came in and I said, "What the fuck, man?" I uh, well, it's funny because the first time I mentioned them wasn't too long ago, and I say, "You know what's funny about this podcast? We never talk about the Temptations," and then I said that like three more times in three different episodes so now it's like you know what <laughs> i think we've, we've talked about the temptation so i actually took them off the playlist here and just just to give you an idea of like what scott just said we want to keep it we want to you know be fresh you know we don't want to look we're gonna have episodes we're probably gonna have episodes where it's just the beatles and we'll dive real deep into it but for now we're kind of just giving you you know just I mean, a, look the you know, 60s is a huge yeah. huge decade of it is recorded huge music. it's huge it huge jim i want to know sure. what your thought was going into this generic decade mm-hmm. kind of topic so yeah i mean there's so much music from the 60s obviously you have so much happening but for me I was trying to think of stuff that when I hear the 60s, that these are songs that evoke that to me. A lot of stuff is happening. Early rock stars are still making music. There's a lot of soul. There's early funk, which I love all of it. But when I hear the 60s, I really think of two things. The British Invasion and you know everything started by the Beatles. Like the Boston Tea Party, you mean? Yes, exactly. The Boston, no, the British Invasion. The Redcoats came over. It was the Redcoats are coming. Mm-hmm. 
and pop bands coming out of England, pop rock bands coming out of England, and psychedelic music slash Woodstock and the whole hippie movement. I think that's a great point because you really can break down the 60s. It could almost be the early 60s, the mid 60s, mm-hmm. and the late yeah. 60s because there was such a shift in music. Yeah. You know, as you're going through these, it's like, wow, you know, 1969 is its own yeah. uh, genre, really. Like, you know, there was so yeah. much shit going on in 1969 yeah, versus if you go to 1960 on the dot, very different. A lot of movement happened within that decade. Yeah, a lot of different yeah. genres came to the forefront in the 60s. Mm-hmm. I think that was the first time, really, because, you know, like you just said, Jim, you I mean you just hit the nail on the head. Like, you had, you know, a funk, uh, a soul R&B, and then you had, you know, with Motown, and then that was, like, early, mid-60s, and then, you know, there was a lot of folk music and a lot of, you mm-hmm. know, I guess folk music is, is the perfect ter- term for it, and then the British Invasion came over, and that just, like, put the world on its head and then that just created just such a movement in counterculture like the 60s is known for the counterculture and that is just such a a major influence on the music that was being made and then it all kind of culminated culminated what's the word culminated culminated in uh, 1969 at woodstock and it was um Woodstock 67 67 yeah but 69 67 it all it all came it just it just what a what a crazy time to be making music in the 60s, and I'm kind of excited to get into the playlist. So, Scott, why don't we... Oh, well, I think 69, I would, I'm wrong. Yeah, I was going to say, I thought yeah. with 69... Well, when I, Tidbit I, Jim calls you out, you kind of just immediately... No, yeah, you go, oh, shit. No, it's a weird wrong. thing, because I always used to think it was 69, and then for some reason I remember learning it was 67. No, I, I was going to say, it was definitely 69. Really okay. I want to congratulate but Scott to, for being able to hear the word 69 this many times and not... Not make that joke? Yeah, or I'm trying, you know, I'm trying to be a little bit more behaved. For some reason, I don't know why, but today I feel like, hey, you know what? Why don't I try to be an adult? I I love it. I hope I hope you can. I don't make think it. you do. I think you guys are gonna want me to make no weird jokes no, and stuff. I hope you can make it. I'm gonna go. About, I'm going to be an adult for this entire episode. I'm gonna say 13 minutes into the podcast when that is no longer a thing. But that's the over under. If you guys now we're doing play at home. De- we're gonna be doing decades now for the next uh, foreseeable future. Exciting. So we'll do sixties this week. Next week we'll do seventies. Then we'll do eighties. Then we'll do nineties. Then we'll do two thousands. Then we'll do two thousand tens. I don't even know. And like, then we're gonna do future music, which means we're gonna make music, right, mm-hmm. for the future in the future, and play that music because it's you know what I mean. Then like, it won't be future music when once we play it. It'll it's cease not to future, be future music. music. So what we're gonna do is the episode is gonna be silence. Scott once said that he wanted to record an entire album, but actually not hit the record button and just enjoy the process of it. And it was one of the most mind-melting things that I've ever heard, because when you wrap your brain around that concept, you're like, whoa. I want to record my, an album in my brain. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like so, don't, anyway, we'll get, we don't want to get Let's in. get into the music. Yeah, let's get into music. Here we go. This is the first song, and it's my choice. I forgot to do 
So that is Nico. The album is Chelsea Girl, and the title of that song is These Days. Now, I I put this um, song on for a number of different reasons. Um, one, man, I've been listening to this song a lot this week since mm-hmm. we decided to do the 60s it's playlist. It's a song to cry to. Man, it is a good song to cry to. And also, it's just, I've noticed a lot of the 60s stuff has a lot of string arrangements. And both mm-hmm. uh, two of the songs that I chose were very string arrangement heavy. Um, but also, you know, I wanted to put on um, maybe an artist that is not your quintessential 60s, meaning it's a little bit more avant-garde. It's a little bit more of the underground, which sort of falls into the fact that Nico um, was on the Velvet Underground's first record. So this this Nico is a female artist who is avant-garde and within the Andy Warhol um, pop art sort of movement. Um, and the songs are really interesting and different and her voice is really interesting and different she's you know like it's it's sort of a strange i mean that wasn't a great impersonation well she was she was a a model right and then and then she was german Hmm. a model yeah and and just i mean she's not a classically trained singer so the fact that her voice is a little bit different it's not bad from what i read she was pushed by andy warhol to make these records yeah was Dude. there some big like Showtime or Stars like uh doc- like film about her? I don't know. I'd I love to see if there was. was ten years ago or something. I've been watching I, a I lot of. I've been watching a lot of uh, rock docs. Yeah, and actually one mm-hmm. I just watched, which is a throwback to the pop playlist, was uh, the Pink Floyd making of Dark Side of the mm-hmm. Moon, and uh, one of the uh, uh, music writers had said, "Pop Pink Floyd really is a pop band. They're making songs that you can sing to." Ugh. Well, oh, that's amazing. Which is actually a really fantastic point. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they do make songs that you can sing along that's to. That's true. Yeah, so, that's true. But anyway, so Nico, Nico, I just think it's really interesting. And, and I kind of started to dive into a lot of the different records. And there's a really cool vibe and, and feel to, to, to this song in particular. It is a great song to um, put to uh, on your bike, on your little electric bike, scoot around a city. Uh, I don't know if that's a word. Scoot. Scoot, sure. yeah, you Scoot, can use that as a verb. Yeah. Scoot around the city and listen to this. You know, I I always want to have my arms out, like in this, like as if I'm floating. You know what I mean? And I've been doing that on my bike recently, yeah. where I'm able to stand. Uh, if I stand and yeah. put my like knees, the king of the world position, yeah, like I, yeah, exactly. And I can put yeah. my hands out, and it's like ah, oh, and, and there's this wonderful feeling. And this is a great song for that. The, I, go ahead. The guitar is very. Uh, when you first hit play. If I didn't know better, I would think that was Dylan's "Don't Think Twice." It's all right. It's very similar. Uh-huh. I don't know if it. I mean, maybe, maybe not at all. Actually, but in my in very my similar head, guitar tone for sure, and yeah. the plucking style, yeah, yeah. And the, another thing I want to bring up on this episode, which, which I think is really important and could potentially get heated, but I think it's a great thing to bring up is. I uh, went home the other day, and my wife, as you guys know, I need to bring her up on every episode, whether that you think it's annoying or not, I personally like it, because, again, she is a barometer for all things normal, right? Um, because I contend towards being a complete lunatic, she centers me and is sort of the normal voice. And she was upset. She was upset because she said, you know, so many of our playlists are predominantly men. She was also particularly upset with the ear nick for choosing sinead o'connor's uh or for choosing chris cornell's version of the sinead o'connor song um what's the name of the song nothing compares to you which look first off she's right in the sense that a lot of our playlists are predominantly male but 
there's a reason because that's you know we're three men and we resonate with met uh male artists however that's also kind of misleading is we do have a lot of female artists on here you know i go out of my way to make sure that i say that i'm a huge michelle branch fan and that the new taylor swift album is fantastic i don't personally like it but it's really really good <laughs> uh i i put i put nina strauss I mean, on, sucks, the, but... on the guitar list because predominantly that was you know guitarists are usually men but there is really talented females so i went out of my way to put that on the playlist as now, for the you, as for the nothing compares to you thing this one's a little irritating because the whole point of the chris cornell version was an added layer to the fact that he is passed on which makes the song even more sad it had nothing to do with the i mean first off the song sad prince wrote it Sinead O'Connor's version is phenomenal, and it could have been on the list, as I mentioned. And then when Chris Cornell makes a cover of it, which is extra sad because he is also passed away. So that's the reason why. I mean, there's always a so reason to, behind. So to your argument, the reason you put the Chris Cornell song on was because he had recently passed, which makes you sad, and that made it appropriate for the song to cry to it's, playlist. Yeah, it's extra but this, sad. The, the, me bringing up the woman um, point is larger than the actual one pick of that thing. And, you know, I Heather and I go back and forth with this stuff where I'm like, yeah, but, you know, we're guys. Maybe we resonate more with, with male music. But the more I think about it and the more I sit with it the more the more i want to bring this up as an important point as to what we're dealing with right now as far as like the me too movement and and a, a lot of what's happening in 2020 and 2019 is that it is a male dominated society and it's interesting because unless it's brought up to 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 you or for you know speaking for myself unless it's not if unless i'm confronted with hey all your songs are male choices. I don't even think about it. And then I go back and I look at all the playlists and I'm like, okay, sure. We put on one female song because like, oh shit, we got to have a female song on here. Right. But it is 90% male music. And you, you know, the argument may be, well, that's because there are, there is more male music than women, than woman music. But again, is that not part of the problem? Right. So I want to, I, for me, I would like to make it a, uh, a point to put on more female music. And I think it's important that in this day and age, we are able to address the issues uh, um, that we're dealing with, right? So look, if somebody's like, hey, you, you, maybe your playlist could be more varied, then I'm going to take that into consideration with future choices because I think it's a fair argument. Because they're like, for example, this song that I put on, Nico, I would not have put this on unless my wife had been like, you need to have more female uh um females represented in, on the show and i don't know whether i would have discovered the depth of these records if, if she hadn't said that these are fantastic songs which i never really discovered because i've been sort of you know um, closed in that sense i'm not saying I'm, I'm never open to it but unless you bring it to my attention i'm not thinking about that stuff i i look i agree with you 100 percent on the fact that unless you bring it to my attention and that is a problem Without a doubt, that's a problem. And you have to, when you bring it to my attention, it's like, oh, okay, you're right. In an ideal world, I you don't even think about it. You're just like, hey, it's a good song. I put it on. Who sings it? Oh, a woman sings it. I didn't even think about that. You know, like, but it's not an ideal world. We don't live in an ideal world. So when someone says, hey, why don't you try to put a little bit more diversity into your playlist? Great. I will absolutely do that. But there is, like, let's not pretend that we're just 
playing all white men music. I mean, even this playlist right now, before we even had this conversation, Mamas and Papas, Grace Slick, you know, I put on Motown for diversity reasons. You know, like, there is a a method to our madness, and uh, unfortunately... You know, the the music industry has been dominated by a certain type and a certain race and a certain sex that they're going to show up in our playlist just numerically, just by the math. But, but I, I do, but, but but with me saying that, and I don't want to come across as like I'm being an asshole, I agree. Please, let's, you know, at, tell me. This is the whole point of this podcast is to learn and discover, discover new music. If I don't know that, you know... Janice Joplin's on this playlist. I mean, we have a lot of women on this playlist. Just yeah, in, but that's in because that's because it was brought to our attention. Well, good. That's the perfect perfect. Exactly. That's so, what I'm saying. So what I'm like, saying is that there's no necessarily right or wrong here, and I think it's important that what's important is that we are passionate about this conversation. And I think it's great to bring up as part of uh, of culture and society, and the fact that we have an opportunity now to change the the patterns. And and you know, this stuff comes up a lot with. With the entertainment industry, you know, we uh, I own a comedy club, and this stuff comes up all the time in comedy, where you know the 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 comedians who have been predators and stuff want to get up on stage, and it's like, how do we change that behavior? You know what I mean? And how do we address that? And so I don't want to make this anything more than it needs to be, but I just felt like it was an important opportunity to say, hey, you know what? This is an opportunity for us to look at it, to at least look at it, and say, okay, what does this mean? How does this affect? Our, our 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 opinions of of culture today and is there an opportunity for us to change the course um of the way we think about music jim where do you stand on this <laughs> i'm against <laughs> and, and, and and i will say and i will say my wife is gonna saying, you know let him go to work you let him make music no <laughs> I, I think it's we we need to yeah i i definitely like the idea of at the very least, being conscious of how diverse our playlists are, whether it's gender, race, whatever. Um, I think it's a great thing to keep at the top of your mind. Um, you know, on the other hand, I say I don't want to have like an all ladies playlist just to do it. I think that's almost patronizing in a way. Yes, I but, agree um, with that. I think it's great to that be. That is the playlist we're doing with my wife, by the way. Okay. But she gets to pick it. But she's the one who's picking yeah. it. But yeah. But I think uh, yeah, it's it's a it's something that people should be conscious of. I think it's great to always look at your own biases day to day, why you feel the way you do, why you like what you like, um, and yeah, I think we can only be better as a society for for paying attention to that stuff and recognizing that it can be a problem. Yeah, I think I will say this because I I I'll, I admit I'll admit this that when someone comes to me, anybody who tells me, "Hey, you need to do this, you you should do this, or you need to include this," I'm immediately defensive. I'm like, no, don't tell me what to do, which is the wrong way to go through things. So if anybody out there who thinks like that, if I'm willing to have James Mattern come in here and tell me, "Hey, check out this Italian death metal band," and be like, "Okay, cool, I'll check it out," then I should be okay with someone to be like. Hey, you should check out this female artist. Like, it's the same concept. Just open yourself up to exploring new things, discovering new artists or old artists that you've kind of just turned your back on because you just never thought you would like them. So I agree with all this. I encourage the diversity. I encourage people to write in and say, hey, you know who you should really listen to or you know who would be great on this playlist? So-and-so. And just... 
Yeah, and, I, and I don't want to harp too much on it, you know. And and uh, again, it's like my wife is going to be on one of the episodes where we're going to do all female playlist, you know, and she'll be able to talk to it and she'll be able to give us her perspective. And so I look forward to that. And I 100% look forward to these types of conversations within the Pinch Music Podcast because I think it is actually really important um, at this day and age for us to, to, to be the change we want to see in the world. Now... It is also controversial that, did Gandhi say that? That is a tidbit I'd like to know, Jim. So during this next song, maybe you can look up. Because some people, I think, say Gandhi said that, but I'm not sure whether he did or not. I think he did not. I think we've done this before, yeah. but but not on the podcast. All right, let's move on, baby. Can I kick it like Wilson Pickett? The song is In the Midnight Hour. That is the song I removed the Temptations from and replaced with Wilson Pickett for a lot of different reasons. Is A, I wanted to bring diversity into the 60s. As we talked about in the beginning of the episode, so much was going on in the 60s. There are so many different genres going on. It's not just counterculture, hippy-dippy, psychedelic, uh, we're against Vietnam music, which is huge in the 60s but there's also a big explosion and of r&b and soul music and motown gets the credit for it well wilson pickett wasn't a part of motown at this point of his career i don't know if he ever was actually uh this was with atlantic uh, atlantic records and this is just early early mid 60s of just he ushers in this new sound of soul music and R&B, and he was like one of the first crossover artists to break into the Billboard Top 100 that wasn't just R&B charts that, and also wasn't written by Smokey Robinson. So I thought it was important to add this to the playlist because... This is a big movement, and this is also, you know, when I start, when I was looking for like a little bit of diversity within the 60s, I put on the Temptations that I changed it, put on Wilson Pickett because we never talk about him, and then it was like, oh, what about Jackie Wilson? Oh, what about Sam Cooke? And then all of a sudden, it's like, oh man, that's a whole nother episode of just the soul music of the 60s that was just incredible, and you know, God, just go back and listen to that music. It's it's a hard to find someone who doesn't like the old 60s soul music a, a jackie wilson sam cook wilson pickett motown sound and i'm just really glad that we have this song on the playlist and i don't know what else how you guys feel about wilson pickett or or the r&b's i know jim's a fan well i have to say i actually know very little about wilson pickett in particular but yeah i mean soul music i think you you just hit on it who who doesn't like soul music it's one of those genres it's Donald Trump, I bet, does Pro- Probably not. Do you wonder? Maybe we should uh, tweet at him. Hey, do you like soul music? Donald Trump? I, I can't I'd imagine him not. really I'd, sitting down and just listening to music. I'd rather that's, just that's not hard, even, hard to imagine. What, what kind of music do you think Donald Trump listens I, to? I don't even want to go down this road because as much as much fun as we could have, Wonder. I don't even want to like give him... Let's just... Yeah, let's that's, not, that's not what this is about. Yeah. 
I bet I bet he likes uh, Jimmy Buffett. Yeah. Do you think Donald he, Trump definitely likes Jimmy, Jimmy Buffett? Do you, do you think he follows Britney Spears on Instagram? Oh, that's a great question. Probably. <laughs> probably he does. Once again, Pinterest, when you're out there on Instagram, make sure you go to Britney Spears' Instagram and in the comments write, Pinch Recording sent me here, just to let us know that you're out there. But go I, have ahead, a, I have a new follow now. We'll get to that in a little bit. J-Lo. Oh, all right. Okay. I started following J-Lo. Yeah. I'm getting all these like Britney Spears-related like friend things, mm-hmm. and I'm like, fuck it. I'll follow J-Lo. Anyway, Wilson Pickett, I think, is a great choice. And actually, I'm not a, I don't really know much about Wilson Pickett before the episode. That was your swap from The Temptations. And that's awesome. I love it. And I'm listening to this. It's like, God damn. Obviously, I know that song. Yeah. Right? And I, it makes me feel like I need to know more about this. And I think that's yeah. a great... I think that what you just said, Scott, is a great kind of... Uh, brings the whole thing full circle of everything we talked about is the fact that, yeah, we didn't put on the Beatles. Yeah, we didn't put on the Dylan because we wanted to talk about things that we don't know. And then we're like, you know what? We should add more diversity. We should add more women. We should add, you know, just more diversity to our playlist. And the fact that I took off the Temptations. We've talked about the Temptations. Everybody knows the Temptations. So I put on Wilson Pickett. And you're like, you know what? I don't know much about him, but I really like that song. I really like this artist. Mm-hmm. And there you go. That's the importance of right. adding new things and diversifying your playlist. So better days ahead, I guess. Amen, dude. Totally. Yeah, a, a freaking man. I have a dream. You know what I mean? That was like your I have a dream speech right there. Jim, do you have anything else? Uh, well, I, that is... Uh, I know you don't want to do any edits this episode, but maybe that should go. Um, well, do you know he wrote what? this song in the same hotel that Martin Luther King was assassinated in? See, I knew there was a connection. Really? Yeah. Really? Wow. How do you? Is that true? Yeah. Or is that, is that a uh, Arby's? Uh, <laughs> an Arby's fact? <laughs> yeah. That, no, that's... <laughs> I mean, that's what I read on Wikipedia. Wow. So it must be true. There you go. There yeah. you go. Anything else, or should we move to the next Let's two? move on. Here we go, baby. That is For Your Love by the Yardbirds, a sort of early blues rock band from England. And famously, what they're most famous for, more than they're famous for their own music, although they were stars in their own right, was starting the careers of three of the greatest guitarists ever. So Eric Clapton was really their second guitarist, um, who was then replaced by Jeff Beck. And third, Nick, if you had to... Pick a guitarist. Jimmy Page. Jimmy Page. How great is that? Jimmy Page is usually the answer to any (laughs) trivia Jim brings up. Just throwing that out there. I mean, how great. It's crazy. It's it's too crazy to think about. It's like almost like it's a setup. How how is that possible that those three guitarists- Were they all in this band together or they were replaced? No, no, no. They they kind of replaced each other. Yeah. So I think Beck and Clapton had a bit of crossover. This song, the album that it's on- some's Eric Clapton, some's Jeff Beck. This song was uh, was Eric Clapton, but in even though that's the main reason they're they're talked about now, that one they were huge pioneers of blues rock, kind of bringing that to England, which is a whole loaded thing in and of itself. As long as we're talking about social justice things today, but um, and then also ushering in psychedelic rock, 
with just all the like fuzz and wah and, and crazy effects that they use in some of their their albums with Jeff Beck. And, you know, they're really pioneers in that department. And then the other majorly important thing that they did is they kind of started Led Zeppelin, which is so after Jeff Beck left, they actually were sort of dwindling when Jimmy Page joined. And he was just sort of in them for like the, the end of their um, the end of their run. And they were scheduled to go on tour in um, in Scandinavia in 68. And basically the band broke up. The only people that were left were Jimmy Page and uh, Chris Dreha, I think you pronounce it. It's a Dreha. Okay, thank you. No problem. So then basically um, someone recommended this 19-year-old or 18-year-old kid named Robert Plant to uh, replace the vocalist for the tour. And then Robert Plant suggested his childhood friend, John Bonham, to cover drums. Then what happened was Chris Dreha, who was going to play bass, decided he's, he's not going to do it because it's not really the Yardbirds going on tour. And they bring in a guy who had done a lot of session work with Jimmy Page and with the Yardbirds, John Paul Jones. That was and, beautiful. Do you see that? Yeah, it is. Holy so, shit, that so was a you, huge tidbit. So what yeah. you're telling me is- I did not know all that. Not yeah. only does Led Zeppelin steal music, they steal bands' identities. <laughs> well, and then how about this? So then they were sort of touring as the Yardbirds for a bit, eventually received a cease and desist from Chris <laughs> from Chris Dreha saying you can't use that name. And they said, okay, well, they changed their name to Led Zeppelin, which- That'll go it was over a well. name lent to them. Also, That'll go over it well. Is pronounced That's where it, it came from. I it, think maybe Keith Moon said, oh, yeah, that band's going to go over like like a lead balloon or a lead zeppelin. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Well, I think it's pronounced Yadbeds. <laughs> Very right? good, Scott. It's the Yadbeds. That's so, a great... That, that t- are you, the tidbit's still going on, I think. So, I, that no. was like that's like more than a tidbit. There needs to be another word for that. That's the tidbit. But it's just, no, he's dropping you know, some knowledge. He dropped a lot of knowledge. And that it's was crazy what came out of this band is all is really it. Did you write an essay about this and you're just reading the essay? No, I I, I am glancing at notes here, but it's uh, that was know. cool. Yeah, that was. That's... Who knew the adverbs were so? Yeah, and their music <laughs> is great. Just listening to that, like this Dude, is really well. Fucking I can tell good, you, too. I was going to bring up the production style yeah. of the '60s too. It's all fucking plate reverbs. I yeah, know I bring yeah. up plate reverbs all the time, but that's that sound, that washed out plate reverb sound, a lot of treble, you know, a lot of mid range. There's not like that huge bass that you hear. You know, the reason that there wasn't a huge bass in that time is because if you have huge bass like that, it would make the needle skip off of the vinyl. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you knew that, but like if, if you have too much bass, so a, a lot of that was cut out in the mastering. Um, oh, that's crazy. They have to engineer it to like. Yeah, that was a big part. Yeah, that was a big part album. of the engineering was getting it so that it wouldn't skip on the record um so a lot of that stuff you hear is because of that but it actually ends up being quite pleasing to the ears uh i don't know those those old 60s records they're just a vibe there's a sound yeah Yeah, absolutely that's uh good i guess i guess you can kind of say that eric clapton was in the early early led zeppelin in a weird tidbit jim kind of way yeah, maybe. Perhaps. Jim may have also made all that up. I hope so. I hope that was another <laughs> Arby's fact. All right, here we go. It's raining today And I'm just about to forget the train window 
that wonderful day we met. That is Scott Walker from the album Scott Three. Thought we were and, talking about politics. Sorry, and it's and it's raining today. Mm. Now, wait, what did you say? I said I thought we weren't talking about politics. Wait, I don't Scott get it. Walker's a politician. Oh, oh, because you're googling him. No, he's a famous. He, never mind. Go ahead. But anyway, when you when he comes up, it does do Scott Walker politician and Scott Walker <laughs> singer. Anyway, this pick is is um, it really falls great within like my first pick, which was Nico, and then you listen to this Scott Walker over the last couple of years. Really, I've been discovering his music, and it is so fucking dreamy. Mm-hmm. Um, it is like if you imagine like Nick has never taken LSD, hmm. but you close your eyes. And just float away in this. It's very psychedelic. I want to talk about that, actually. I mean, this is something that is very timeless type of music. I mean, you can hear the 60s vibe just because there's plate reverb all over it. But the actual the actual art artistry of these records, it's just massively beautiful. Like, it's strings. Like, huge fucking string arrangements. Like, But then also, like, this weird drone happening in the background with, like, like bells floating all over the place and then his voice just comes in and it's like it's raining you know it's like oh my fucking god like he encapsulates the the feeling of um when it's raining and it's like and you have the windows open and you smell the summer breeze and it's raining and you're like oh this is nice like i wish i had a cup of stress relief tea right now this that's what i mean i've never heard Uh, this song i don't even oh it's so good okay and uh this is what I heard of it, and this is why it's intriguing to me. And first off, I don't know even know what the instrument was. Was that? A, I don't think it was a theremin, but there was something in the background that gave it like a horror movie nightmare vibe. Huh? Yeah. Hold on. I didn't let me, hear that. Let me. Let's listen. Violins. Like the high drone it's on the left side. It's like today. that drone. Like the, that's the drone I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah. But once. There was summer and you. Uh, what, what is that? And it almost sounds like like a bell be, drone or maybe oh, yeah. vi- it could be like violin. Maybe. Yeah, it I don't, could yeah. be a Mellotron, maybe. Yeah, it could be a Mellotron, but it doesn't. It's I mean, but, but again, how great is that? It doesn't. Yeah. So to me, it doesn't fit. It almost it almost makes this song scary in the sense that yeah. like it's almost like a Sinatra song, which should have been on this list by it's the way. psychedelic sinatra but, it, but like so, so like the song is a lovely song it's raining today but i'm okay with it i'm happy i'm happy this is exactly how you described it like you got the windows open you're breathing in fresh air it's raining today fantastic this is such a actually a good song but then that that noise in that in the background it reminds you that life it, is it, real it's like this is actually you're this you think you're in a nice dream but you're actually in a nightmare and you're about to get killed. I don't this is my movie brain going again. It's but, just a remind that that drone is like a reminder that yes this moment is great but you still have to go to work later. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> don't forget to set your alarm before but what you go I, to bed. But, yeah. But what I love about Scott Walker is that it plays into the pop stuff because he started as a pop group. The Walker Brothers were a pop 1960s pop group. Um, so he was well known for being a pop artist, like, you know, like the sixties pop. Also, uh, the Walker brothers are famously known to later become Led Zeppelin. And they were, they had a circus, <laughs> the Walker brothers circus, <laughs> which was a rival of the Ringling, <laughs> the Ringling brothers and the Walker brothers or whatever. Yeah. These tidbits have been brought to you by Arby's. Yeah. Now we're going to just start making up tidbits and we can play that game where you have to know whether it's real or not. Two real. truths and a fact. Two truths no, and a fact. That would be the same. That would be three true things. Anyway, Jim, what was your what was your take on yeah, that? Yeah. I was going to say, I, I love what you guys are saying about it because at a surface level, I, I know nothing about Scott Walker, 
But at a surface level, I was definitely thinking almost like Tom Jones-ish or something. But, yeah, okay. Yeah, you get um, that vibe, right? I, I'm going to have to dig into this more. I mean, starting with maybe listening to this song all the way through. The record. Yeah. I will warn you, it can spark depression. Okay. I listened to it all morning and I was like, okay, I am getting depressed. That's probably why you did jumping jacks and probably why you're acting like an adult this episode because you're bummed out. Right. I was like, oh, it's raining today. <laughs> um, but uh, what was the fuck? I was going to say something. What were you saying, Jim? Oh, nothing. I just on a surface level. It was uh, so sort of gave me a Tom Jones vibe. But um, yeah, I want to dig into a little more, even just on the second listen. Uh, hearing all that stuff you oh, guys that's were what talking about. I was going to tie it back to also the Cult Classics playlist because mm-hmm. Scott Walker very much, these records in particular, Scott 3 and Scott 4, are very much cult classics. Mm-hmm. And he's very much, um, I think, could be considered a cult artist. Wait, his albums are called Scott 3 and Scott 4? Correct. You know who else named their albums after numbers? Led Zeppelin. Yep. Oh, and me, by the way, Fibonacci sequence. You're right. It's just wild, man. Right. This is getting wild. Led Zeppelin is Scott Walker. Oh, Scott man. Walker you is know what? I Led need Zeppelin. A, I need a new Voodoo Ranger. Here we go. California Dreaming by the Mamas and the Papas, and one of the greatest songs of all time. I don't think that's really debatable. Um, this this song has been covered, oh geez, th- hundreds hundreds of times. This okay, song was one hundred and forty nine. This song was actually a cover. This uh, this is it was written by the Phillips, obviously Michelle Phillips and John Phillips, and. Uh, they wrote it for someone else, and then they covered it themselves, and this is what mm-hmm. broke through for the Mamas and the Papas. Uh, quintessential 60s, if you ask me. You say the 60s, I'm thinking this song jumps up. It's been in just about every soundtrack to a movie that takes place in the 60s, and the song is about, at its roots, it's about they were in a very cold New York when they wrote this song, thinking about how much they would love to just go out west to California, which was the start of that 60s counterculture as i mentioned earlier and this song is such a just a bridge of the genres of the 60s you know there was a lot of folk music as i said earlier that you know really dominated the american pop charts before the british invasion and this song is kind of it's got folky music behind it but it's like let's go out to california where it's warmer experienced the counterculture and then that's what kind of really got into the psychedelic rock and that's what led eventually to you know the woodstock festivals and 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 whatnot so like i think this song is just such a uh gap bridging Mm kind of song for the 60s and it's just such a good goddamn song it's a great song and you could also say it's a bridge to terabithia that's a song about coping with death by Uh, the way by the book. way, and you notice you hear, you hear the plate reverb again, right? That yeah. quintessential plate yeah, reverb. Yeah. 
it's I, I'm gonna make a a, a a a point here that I think in the the plate reverb was like the auto tune mm, of the '60s, interesting. right? Because now when you listen to so much music now is auto tune that share auto tune like you know the yeah, totally. the um would it be like also in the '80s that we discussed the the, the, gated, the gated snare reverb, right? Yeah. Mm. yeah, the the '80s was gated snares. Now is auto tuned vocals with the trap, you know, and then in the '60s it was plate reverb, boom. Production nice. notes. I would like to yeah. know Jim's. I feel take like Jim on, has something to say. He's got to have oh, a I tidbit, have and I hope it doesn't well, involve a ham sandwich. Ah, uh, there uh, it is. No, is it, uh, that, that's not true, is it? But um, I don't think so. The uh, w- was that the regular version of the song that you usually hear? I felt like it was. Maybe I'd, I. It, this happens later, but there's like the responses weren't happening at least in my oh, the, like the back the background vocals of them like just like every line. This does say California Dreaming single version. No, no, no. There, it's on. If you let it play, because it's, it's further I think in the it, song. Like, it okay. comes like the second Got verse. It. So, um, oh, also before you get into the tidbit, yeah. the flute solo in this oh. song. <laughs> oh, is, I was uh, going to bring up flute. Is, There's so much flute in the '60s. Yeah. Is uh, is apparently ad libbed and was just completely improv. But I, no one knows that for a fact. But pretty cool because it's a killer flute solo. Lots of flutes. A lot of flutes. Yeah. I mean, I. I yeah, I just want to almost reiterate something you were saying about California and San, San Francisco and how important just the location is to the movement and the vibe of those places was to the hippie movement. And this is just that, like, we got to get out there, get away from the drudgery of the East Coast and the workaday world and just go to California and chill out, tune in, turn on, drop out. And it's just that generation's like, go West, young man. It's like, there's some that, there's something else out there besides Jim, your regular American life here. I'm sorry that I know I was going to be an adult, but if I could see you dressed as a cowboy in leather chaps, and you turn around and go, "Go west, young man," I think we would all want to see that. I don't I, know about all. I was picturing him more of the the hippie with a flower in his hair. No, like he's you know he's wearing the leather chaps and with his his ass is like hanging out, and then he turns around, and he's like, "Go west, young man." You know what I mean? <laughs> in a gym way. Um, I've been having nightmares that I'm in San Francisco again. So oh, it's funny wow. you're bringing up San yeah. Francisco. Yeah. I've been having these nightmares. I had this recurring nightmare. Scott, you Because I lived live. in San Francisco yeah. for two years, and mm. I didn't do well out there. California yeah. was not really for me. I'm too angry for California. You know what I mean? I stick out like a fucking sore thumb. Well, shouldn't mm. have, it's supposed to mellow you out, but it didn't. I apparently. keep having these nightmares, man, where I'm like in San Francisco, but then the, the then everything here is still happening. Like you guys are still doing stuff and doing all these things, and I'm missing it all. And I'm like, oh god, I'm stuck in fucking California. Well, I don't, yeah, I don't know how much metaphor for the dream of the '60s. I don't know how much we're doing right now, but yeah, yeah I think Jim's point is great. Is yeah, I mean that's what people wanted to do. They wanted to move out west. And as I was saying, you know, the sound the sound at the time was kind of, especially in uh, American music, was more folk sounding. And then it was the British invasion came over and probably brought over that reverb. And this song was kind they of put like... put the reverb on the boat. They brought the plate. Brought it they brought, over. They brought the plate <laughs> over and they just start reverbing it. Jim and I were going to build a, a plate once. Remember oh, that? yeah. Remember when we were looking at building... that. We should still do that. That would be fun. Mm. Yeah, that could be cool. We should build a plate. That could be for the future episode. Ah, oh, mm. but that one's just silence. Yeah. All right, let's move on. Hey, 
That is, of course, the Star Spangled Banner by Jimi Hendrix, cover of the Francis Scott Key song. <laughs> Why was that so funny? Um, uh, just because it's no, just one's funny, ever, right? no one's ever called <laughs> yeah, the Star Spangled Banner the cover of Francis Scott Key. <laughs> so, and I, it's, I don't know what it says. It's live from Woodstock. I believe it was played at... In the morning. Morning, when there was only a few thousand people even left at Woodstock. You've seen, it was like you've seen the morning. video of that, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, steeped in LSD. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I felt like this song, more than the song itself, just covers so many bases of the 60s. It's it's Woodstock. It's I mean, how amazing is Woodstock? I know it, it sometimes gets overblown and, like, over-memorialized, but it's crazy just that that happened with all the—every top act of the day is there. You can't do that now. Because everything's so fractured, you can't have a festival with every top act. You'd have to have a thousand acts. Um, There's a new documentary on Netflix, by the way, about Woodstock. It's not, mm-hmm. I got halfway through no. it. It's not bad. It's so good, I got halfway through it. Yeah. Well, I had other things came up. That's pretty good for Nick. So, um, and, you know, there, it's, it's definitely, it, it definitely is a psychedelic element. But also, I think the social aspect, the social whatever commentary aspect of it is is huge and this is something i wasn't never really thought about when i heard this song when i was really young i was more like i would get through the beginning of it and then it gets really abrasive as it gets in there right and so i i would always just kind of turn it off or skip through it or whatever but then um i had i took a history of rock and roll course in college one semester and i remember our professor explained at least to her and one interpretation of that is it's it's Vietnam, like it's bombs in, it's America bombing the Vietnamese in like their perfect little paradise there and just causing all, you know, insane upheaval. And then re-listening to it with that frame makes it incredible, you know, well, and think, terrible, but incredible. I think this is a great choice because I do think it, it, it encapul- encapsulates mm-hmm. the 60s. Yeah. And, 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 and it was in 1969, so it was kind of right. at the end of the 60s. Exactly. And you hear it in the guitar, man. Nobody has the tone that Jimi Hendrix had, which is loud and thick with fucking soul and LSD. It is just fucking dripping. You know what I mean? And yeah, you watch the video of it and you're like, wow, like there's just a bunch of washed up fucking hippies sitting in the mud at like 9 a.m. And it seemed, it's like, wow, okay, like this is the end of the festival. Like everyone's gone mm-hmm. and it's just this like, you know, I don't know. I have these vivid memories of 9am on LSD, right? Where you haven't slept all night. You wake up and you're, and you're, you're not wake up. Sorry. You're still awake mm-hmm. and there's, you're not really tripping anymore, but you, but you have these moments of like, wait, did that thing just fly by me? Or wait a second. Oh God, there it is. It's in your spine still. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it just, and and it, it does encapsulate like encapsulate the Vietnam, you know. And a lot of Hendrix does that. The song "Machine Gun," yeah. uh, if you listen to Jimi Hendrix's "Machine Gun," that is very much like Vietnam. Like it just has the vibe, and it's it's a incredible um, piece of history. Yeah. I think I think it's uh, yeah. I mean, it's very important for a lot of reasons that you know the the military conflict, if you will, will over in Vietnam lasted the entire duration of the '60s. Mm-hmm. You know, it started in the '50s, if you really think about it. And the music, the music that was just 
purely based on the Vietnam War, that's its own playlist we could probably get into. That so many good, important songs from the 60s were basically primarily about the Vietnam conflict. And this song has been done millions of times, obviously, before every football game, every basketball game, every sporting event, every, anything. This song has been done so many times. And at the time, America wasn't really the... This wasn't patriotic. This, like as you said, Jim, this was kind of counter-patriotic. Like you know, Whitney Houston's cover of this song was patriotic. It made mm-hmm. people cry, and we're like, yes, you know, USA, USA. When this was kind of like, meh, you know, and it was, it was just. I think that was a huge, important, such a big frame of mind in the '60s during the Vietnam War. That you know what, maybe we're maybe we're wrong. Maybe we shouldn't be over there fighting. Maybe we shouldn't be sending soldiers. And you know, however, that's what a lot of people thought. And I think this song, if you don't know better, you just think it's the the national anthem. But mm-hmm. if you do, if you know a little bit of anything, you're like, oh, this was kind of, um, yeah, this was kind of a statement, as you said earlier, Jim. So I think it's a great pick. Let's hear from one of our other shows on the Paper House Network. We have so many great shows on the Paper House Network, and we want you to check them all out. Hi, everybody. Sorry to interrupt this show that you're probably enjoying, but I'm comedian Kevin Dombrowski, who you probably don't know. Joined weekly by my producer, Adam, a little bit more well-known than me, Hineker. Say hi, Adam. True. He's got a point. Uh, Dial it back. Each episode, I'll sit down with a very famous comedian that you probably do know, and if they're not famous, you probably know them anyway. And we'll break down what's happening in the world by making fun of all of it. This is Just Joking on the Paperhouse Network. No interviews, no arguments, just jokes. Now, back to your show that you were already enjoying. All right, we invite you to go to uh, Instagram. You can like our Paperhouse Network page, and you can follow all the shows. Also, if you go to Instagram or Spotify, you can you can type in Paperhouse Network, and all the shows will come up. Let's move on to another piece of beautiful music. That is Big Brother and the Holding Company, I mean, and Janis Joplin um, singing Peace of My Heart. How great of a band name is that? Yeah, it's a great band name. And um, Janis Joplin is somebody who has never come up on the podcast. So I was like, oh, shit. That's not true. Yes, it is, I think. Have we talked about Janis Joplin? We've absolutely talked about Janis Joplin before. We've talked about just the... I, I don't remember what episodes, but we've definitely talked about her because I know for a fact that I grew up not being a fan of Janis Joplin until very, very later in my life when I realized, oh, she's actually just good. Well, so- I put this pick on because obviously it's the 60s and she was a um, 
really she was a blues singer she was she was a rock star blues singer and she's also part of the 27 club uh-huh. uh who died at 27 which is just such a strange fucking thing all these artists who die at 27 what the fuck what is the deal with 27 that is it is uh... a so who are the artists jim morrison mm-hmm. Jimi hendrix janice joplin those are the three j's yeah. then you have kurt cobain um, Amy, Winehouse. Amy, Wine, Amy Winehouse. Uh, maybe you can get a list yeah. uh, while we talk. But Janis Joplin was was a her voice was just the definition of raspy. Yeah, definition of whiskey cigarette and fucking rock and roll. Well, that her voice is something that's very interesting to me because I I wouldn't I don't mean this as a, a disrespect thing, but I wouldn't call her a good singer in the quote unquote prototypical like definition of a sense. good yeah yeah, a, yeah like she's classic, not she's not yeah she's not singing opera but like it's also not it's not bad either it's like it's not it's it's unique and it's different and like i said i grew up thinking she was terrible because i think my mom hated her and it was like whatever and then when i when you get older and you start listening to the song and the next thing you know you play the song and you will be singing it for the rest of the day almost guaranteed well i mean i think she she is a perfect example of um you know just soul being able to just just hear the the anguish and pain and 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 you know the pain of what was happening in the '60s and whatever she was going through, you know, it, I, I you just hear it, and you know, there's a lot of voices that are that way. You know, like Bob Dylan, for example, you know, one of the greatest singers of all time, but he's not fucking, you know, wouldn't say he had a great voice. Yeah, you know he's not mean? singing Mozart's Requiem. Yeah, you know, I, um, so there's something to be said about that, and you know, I I a hundred percent. Um, love singers that are like that. I mean, Neil Young is a perfect example of that. He's, you know, he's great voice, but not like, you know, tra- classically yeah. beautiful. Yeah. But, you know, it's not like you'd say he has a beautiful voice. Yeah. But he has a soulful voice. And I think that's the most important part is when you're listening to music, does it resonate with you? Are you connecting emotionally to the music? Yeah. I think, yeah, I, 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 I dig the choice. Uh, obviously, you said Hendrix was dripping in LSD. You could say Janis Joplin was dripping in Jack Daniels. Yes. She was known to <laughs> Quite take, take a fifth on stage and smash it down before you know the end of the, end of the set. Uh, but yeah, I, I think this is a good pick. I think she's very, very well respected amongst the, the analogs and critics of the 60s in this era i think the Janet, analogs the, uh, that's kind of sweet i've been uh, i've been working on my adjectives as music critics love their weird unique adjectives nick did bring this up uh yesterday about music critics there he, he was he was shitting on critics basically saying basically they don't know what they're talking about they just use unique adjectives to make it seem like every time you read a, a music review or an album review you'll hear some jerk off critic be like oh it's a haunting they bring a haunting sound to it. like shut the fuck up and I, 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 I couldn't disagree with you more on that that's, I, yeah. that that's a bad thing especially as someone who loves hip-hop don't you agree that like using all sorts of diverse language can be a beautiful and no. powerful thing yes, to, to yes, describe you, the world around us. Yes, yes. Also, no. you're a music critic. I also, I agree, I agree, <laughs> I agree with you wholeheartedly <laughs> that using different words to describe things are very important, but a lot of critics just say these words that don't mean anything. Well, what you just said in haunting, the analogs. Haunting is a great, that's haunting a great, is a great word. Scott Walker could be considered haunting. And also, you did say in the analogs. Yeah, so, I don't I mean, even know what on. that. I because, don't even know what that means. Yeah, yeah, but it's great. that's my How point. Is that? You don't I know, know what right? it means, but you basically that's, know what it means, and that is what my point is. Yeah, but you know, you got to embrace your inner critic, dude. Yeah, yeah. Like let Pittsburgh go and be New York. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's okay to be pretentious, Nick. 
You are pretentious, but in the most beautiful way. I'm trying to think of a good a- adjective, but I can't think of it right now. Okay, Shit. I take everything I just said back. <laughs> do you have the Do you have the 27s? The only uh, th- there's a huge list, but they're mostly not big names. Brian Jones from the Rolling Stones was the only other major one that uh, he that, drowned. That popped up, yeah. How did he drown on Titanic? I think he drove a car into the ocean or some shit, didn't he? Um, drowned in a swimming pool. Oh. oh. Well, now I just feel weird and yep. bad. Yeah. All right, so we'll just go move. ahead and move on. Go from on. That. We're just going to pretend that what never happened. What was episode happened. 27, by the way? Mm-hmm. Oh. oh, yeah. Jazz part two. So that is White Rabbit by Jefferson Airplane, and did just find a fun tidbit that the song was actually written by Grace Slick when she was in a band called The Great Society. Really? Which is another great band name, named after uh, LBJ's policies in the 60s. Huh. But, I mean, this is, the. It's, I, I don't know if you guys agree, that, to me this is, it's like name a psychedelic song. Oh, yeah, I mean, th- this is like, like your mother's like, oh, yeah. wasn't that the LSD song? Right, exactly. Like this, this, this is the... Yeah. the uh, well, they didn't hide it. I mean, the, well, li- the song's the literally, literally about it. Yeah. The literal fact, lyrics. I, I, well, I, I kind of just I, had a flashback. I looked yeah. at Nick during the song when she said it, and I was like, wait a second. The literal lyrics are, one pill makes you larger. Yeah. Like, she's literally talking about taking drugs. Yeah, but I have to say, even though it might be the one your mom knows, um, even though the mother is the theme in the song, but I, I think it really does capture it to me. I, yeah. I, don't, I don't think it's like some some watered-down pop rendition of Psychedelia. I, I oh, think this no. captures it so well. Yeah. Um, I also think, I, I don't know this for a fact, but I, I think this might be the first time you bring in Alice in Wonderland as this trope of, of Psychedelia. You know, the, the, the story has nothing to do, it was not written on the influence of drugs or meant to reference drugs. This kind of invented that idea. And obviously it's a very easy connection to make. She's literally taking pills and potions to make her bigger and smaller, um, and she goes into this magical world. But you know, I feel like they just invented that. And you just you just feel the psychedelia in this song, and um, you know why? It does a great job of, of capturing how it feels because it's steeped in plate reverb. Yeah, yeah. I also yeah. love the Civil War type drum mm-hmm. that just. Uh, resonates throughout the entire yeah. song. Which, yeah, the mar- very, the march, the little marching yeah, boy. Yeah, yeah. And um, Jim, I don't know if you have any more tidbits, but I have a I have a little tidbit for all my hip hop heads out there. Mm-hmm. I know we haven't talked a lot of hip hop last couple episodes, but if you like that song, the Living Legends sampled this song, and it's fantastic. It's a, one of the really cool samples of a song that everyone already knew. Uh, they did a really good job with the scratch over it, and they just you know the Living Legends are an LA group. And um, they sampled this song, so check out hmm. check out the Living Legends version. Of the song. Thanks, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> Apologies, I hit play before I was ready. Uh, but let's move All on. Good. Yeah. People try to put us to death. Just because we get around. Talking about my generation. 
My Generation by The Who. Song was written by Pete Townsend, obviously sung by Roger Daltrey, who I don't think gets enough credit as one of the lead top vocalists of, uh, you know, of the history of the analogs of rock music. But interesting tidbit, he, Roger Daltrey had a stutter, but Mm -hmm. he could control it pretty well when he was singing. I believe his manager or the engineer or someone came in and said, no, keep the stutter in this song. As you hmm. go back and listen, he stutters throughout this entire song because the whole point is his generation was a bunch of, uh, what, what were they called? Mo- mods. mods of just British kids getting all, you know, taking drugs and just not having a place to fit in. Mm-hmm. And that's what they sounded like. They they, they, they yeah. stuttered. And, you know, and that was the whole purpose of mm-hmm. that song yeah, and I the whole it was meaning. like if you're taking amphetamines, that it'll do that to your speech. Yeah. Really? And, really? And I think so. The the reason why this song jumped out to me to put on the list, I I learned about that little tidbit after the fact, is that this is a perfect song about the British invasion. We've kind of alluded to that all episode, but we didn't really get into it with the Boston Tea Party. Y- yes, yeah. the Boston Tea Party, of course. Uh, but the you know my generation is that generation created the British invasion, which literally came over to America and that changed the world, if you ask me, because. The Beatles came from yeah. that as well, and that was a huge part of the '60s. Before he kind of got into the, the the Vietnam and the the rebellious and the you know everyone making a social commentary on the music of the '60s, and then you had the the beginning of the '60s where you had a lot of soul music, Motown, Wilson Pickett. Right in the middle there was this British invasion that came over and basically created the counterculture movement because everybody wanted to be they wanted to look like they were from Britain the Beatles were doing their thing they were just a boy band next thing you know they're changing the world with their music and I think the British invasion was just the most probably one of the most important movements in rock history and I thought this song was a, a good example of of that because of it you know it's my generation I agree and I think you are a beautiful man thanks Scott well, we've That's come- the only adjective you have is beautiful. You can't come up with anything else. Stunning. Stunning, uh, analogous. Haunting. <laughs> Hauntingly analogious. <laughs> you are. Hey, Nick. Yes, what Scott. is the word of the day for our Voodoo Ranger? I think we people? should. I we think- need to say this at the beginning of the episode. I know, it's stupid. We're saying the word of the day after the episode. No, yeah, I'm going to go it, back and write like, it. Oh, he writes it in the show notes. He writes it in the show notes. I think it should be 69. I don't know if we said 69 that much, yeah. but. I'm good with that. 69. 69. Or plate reverb. Plate reverb. Oh, plate reverb. That's it. Let's do two. Okay. It's Six, the 60s. Let's, let's get, the, let's get yeah. fucked up. We're going to say 69 and So make plate sure reverb. you get your cold, crisp Voodoo Ranger, and every time throughout this episode, go back, hit rewind. Every time we say plate reverb or 69, you take a drink, take a shot, take some LSD. We don't give a shit. It's the 60s, baby. Thank you for listening as part of the Paper House Network. Next week, we're going to be diving into the 70s. Um, so this should be a fun adventure. Jim's going to be wearing bell bottoms. He's Jim is coming in with bell bottoms, assless bell bottoms, right? Yeah. The 70s. Bell bottom Disco blues. sucks, man. Thank you, everybody. <laughs>